Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Games We Love podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Aaron White, and you are listening to the show that promotes positive and fun gaming discussion and sometimes features interviews with those working in the industry. Today, I have the great privilege to bring a special conversation with Mr. Kenny Lee of Cellar Door Games about the upcoming officially official release of their game, Rogue Legacy 2, which later this week will exit its Steam Early Access period and launch on Xbox consoles as well on April 28th. Kenny, hello, and thank you very much for being here. Hi there. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I will get the fanboy stuff out of the way as much as I can at the beginning. I have been a huge fan of you guys' work since the first game. I discovered it at PAX 2013 in Seattle, I want to say. I don't know if you showed it before then, but I think you guys were there. You might have been there personally. That you were part of the PAX 10, if I recall, like the featured indie games that they do. Do you remember any of that? I remember that. Oh, no, for, <laughs> for us, it's unforgettable, but I'm, I'm okay. surprised that people, because there's been plenty of PAXs since then. That was like nine, ten years ago. So, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's quite a ability to recall that. Absolutely. Well, I remember seeing the display, and I went up, and I got to play the demo, and it was one of those situations where I just fell completely in love with the game right off the bat and was immediately in love knew that it was a game that I wanted to play as soon as it came out and so ever since then my kids and I they've grown up with it and we've played together multiple times over and over just you know trading off the controller here and there we've gone through the first game we've been playing early access for the last couple of years my awesome. son and I especially it's to the point now where We'll talk a little bit about the difficulty, but unfortunately, we're at the point where he's got to do things <laughs> that that I can't do. So, uh, right. so it's kind of a team effort. We also played all the way through Full Metal Furies co-op oh, together very cool. as well. That, yeah. That's a bit more rare. There's a lot of people who, who are fans of Rogue Legacy, but not so much for FMF. So, well, that means a and lot. that's a that's a bummer because I think that maybe because it was a different genre and it was a little yeah. bit of a kind of a tangential type of experiment for you guys and people were just probably immediately clamoring for i want more rogue legacy which maybe that'll lead into one of these <laughs> questions as well but i wanted to start at the beginning so you yep, know sure. kind of get an idea of who is cellar door as i understand it your team and i'll put that in air quotes is just yourself and your brother teddy i mean for the first rogue legacy it was kind of like that um, i mean we were small we didn't really have the money so it was just my brother and i with some contract employees since then though you know through we've, we've made fmf uh we're going into rogue legacy 2 we have expanded probably not as as large as some people expect we're right now i think full-time there's still only six of us so it's, it's bigger than the two but we're not like 30 man strong or, or okay. however many people think big yeah how many are these days well so what are your roles then what what kind of different things do you focus on within the game design for the first one there was like, we basically had to wear every single hat possible, right? We had to make the game design, the, the story, the... Well, other than the audio, is programming, and then the marketing and stuff. We still do a lot of that stuff, but we defer some of the more specialized fields to the people who are much better at it, right? So, we like, now we have an art director, now we have a technical director who helps, like, make sure the game's running smoothly and, and it loads fast and runs well on other people's various computers. And we didn't have any of that before, and we just kind of went blind and hoped things would work out and for the most part they did it was just a lot of stress and anxiety to get to that point 
Oh, I can imagine. I, it must be so much different, like having others to kind of rely on and not oh, it's feel fantastic. like you have to do it all yourself. <laughs> and but the thing is, like, they're also it's not just the the relief that they they give us; it's that they just do it so much better, right? Mm-hmm. So not not only is it easier for us, but the quality is so much higher. So we're we're definitely not going to go back from that. You can do everything on your own, but that's just not always the best approach. Good to hear. I'm glad that you guys have more folks involved. So, you know, Rogue Legacy 1, we'll talk just a little bit about it before we jump into the new one. It was really felt like a defining moment in games. And that truly does not happen for most developers. (laughs) You don't get to experience that. But you essentially, in my opinion, you created a genre. You created the roguelite. And maybe there were roguelites before. Right. But for the most part, Rogue Legacy ushered in the genre in a way that it hadn't been received previously, kind of like a Fortnite. Like there's been battle royales before, right? But like Fortnite was the one that put the formula on the map and mm-hmm. paved the way for so many kind of copycat games and further iteration on the structure that you guys had put into play. And so I just kind of wanted to get an idea of how you came up with that idea where when did you guys start making games were you you know doing this when you were you know brothers in high school and this is an idea that had been percolating or how did you get to the rogue legacy concept well to answer the first question it did, this wasn't our first game it did take several previous smaller titles like when we first started out we actually started making flash games and okay. the first Flash game we made was uh, a Flash game called DSYP, which was a text adventure game where you're just trying to not soil your pants. <laughs> that was the goal <laughs> of it. I um, mean, it took off and we were like, oh, man, game development is so easy. And then floundered like since then until we made Rogue Legacy. We, we, we had a few small hits here and there, but like Rogue Legacy was our very first um, like big and actually commercial game because the other Flash games you didn't really sell. You just people just played it for free. Put them on um, itch.io so, and, and see what yeah, happens. Things like that. Right, yeah. Um, even smaller, actually. The, the Flash Flash games themselves were generally pretty small. So it was a very big departure for us. And the question that we kept asking ourselves was, can we do it? Right, Because those Flash games generally take one to two months to make, whereas this was a whole year and a half. And even, even a year and a half for a lot of people was considered fast. But for us, it was an eternity. And we didn't know if we could hold the interest you know, scale it up to that scope and actually follow through with our original plans. As to how we got to Rogue Legacy, it was not a smooth process. This was not like a lightning bulb struck and we were like, okay, let's make this game. Well, we originally wanted to make like a Castlevania type game. So we were really inspired by Demon's Souls at the time because everybody was. And we were like, well, let's try to make a 2D version of that. That was our original premise. And it was very quick for us to realize that that was going to be too expensive for us. So then we started to look for ways to make it cheap. And we saw, you know, well, with roguelikes, because we were actually playing some roguelikes at the time, like uh, Dungeons and Dreadmore, and it was a lot of fun. And uh-huh. we were like, oh, this is also a cheaper way to like reuse assets and stuff. So let's try doing this in a video game 2D as well. I don't know if it, in the end if it ever really saved us money, because it ended up being way bigger than we originally intended. But that was the premise. And it helped that Dark Souls itself kind of has some roguelike elements. Like if you if you die, you lose your souls and you can pick them up again. It's not quite as hardcore as an actual roguelike, but it did have those elements. And so the transition for us just made more and more sense. That's how it basically started. 
That's great. And so I'm wondering, and this is a weird question to ask maybe, but you're gamers yourself, I'm assuming, correct? So like, oh, yeah. you enjoy <laughs> games. So have you played some of the things that have come out since Rogue Legacy that have sort of taken your formula and played with it like a Hades like a Dead Cells the ones that are going to get compared to your game the most have you played those at all definitely yeah okay. it's, it's funny because when we first played Rogue Legacy 1 or sorry when we first made Rogue Legacy 1 uh, we have had, had actually not played a lot of the games people said we were inspired by for example Splunk so uh-huh. Splunk is probably the closest comparison to Rogue Legacy 1 and it's no knock on Splunk it's a fantastic game it's just while we were making Rogue Legacy 1 we had actually not played that game yet even though they have a lot of similarities. Uh, Splunky actually did it first for a lot of those things. So for this one, we definitely played a lot more games. Um, we've, we've tried Hades. We've played Dead Cells. We've played you know, Enter the Gungeon. I mean, how could you not? The, the roguelike right. genre has exploded since then. And for us, um, it's, it's interesting when you brought up like us sort of being like the OG for some of this stuff because we really never intended that. I don't think anybody really does. You hope that the game you make sticks and ours did, but we didn't notice at the time. Like, we just thought we made a fun game that people enjoyed playing. We didn't know or recognize the potential cultural impact that the game would have. Um, but for the second one, that's that all changed. All of a yeah. sudden, there was the weight of expectation on our shoulders. And so we had to play those games. We had to see what what was basically our competition <laughs> at this point and what we had to, to do to, to stay competitive in the genre. So that's perfect then as a segue because curious what had you wait? Why did you go and do other things in between? Was Rogue Legacy 2 always on your mind in the back of it or did you kind of come to that decision later on? Did you do Full Metal Fury and other stuff and go, oh, well, no, we really want to do this thing? But how did you get to the decision to eventually go forth with those the heavy expectations and try to make something even better? I think after the first Rogue Legacy, we were always intending on making Rogue Legacy 2. It's just the first one was such a burnout that we didn't think we would do the game, this, the franchise justice, if we immediately jumped to the second. So our plan was always to make the first one, sort of take a break and try something new, and then make the sequel. Because the thing is, uh, during our Flash days, we never made sequels. Regardless of how our game performed, we always tried something new. So that was kind of the process that we took. But we knew we were going to make Rogue Legacy 2. The only difference is that FMF took way longer to make than anticipated. So that was supposed to be like a two-year process and ended up almost taking four years. So by the time Rogue Legacy 2 came out, or is about to come out, it also took too long. So now we're looking at nine years as opposed to... We were planning for five. So okay. didn't quite hit that, just a couple... <laughs> <laughs> a couple days off but there's a uh, pandemic in there too so i mean it's not all <laughs> normal yeah that's true that's true but yeah we were always planning on making it and because to us and as as time went by we got more and more intrigued by the idea because we'd never made a sequel we were like well these present different challenges right because there's like this this tight rope this balancing act of making a game that will draw in new players and is, feels contemporary while also staying true to the original so that to us was a really interesting problem to solve that you can't do unless you're making a sequel i think yeah i mean i would assume that would be the case or you're just completely ripping somebody else off and making a sequel (laughs) to their game and so well you made the choice to go into early access this time which Mm -hmm. i'm sure is something you probably had experience with in between the rogue legacy and rogue legacy 2 development cycles what 
kind of inspired that decision? And also, I'm, I'm also curious kind of how that plays out for you in a beneficial way. But are there any negatives to being in early access versus the potential benefits of, say, player feedback? Honestly, early access has just been a completely transformative experience for us. We originally put it into early access because we just thought, well, I mean, after after you make games for a while, you kind of get tired of the whole process of hiding, you know, under the dirt for X number of years and like, ta-da, and hope people like it. We wanted to try, try something new. With Rogue Legacy 2, there, it, it is also like a really good fit, I think. A lot of roguelikes in the past and roguelites have done that. Uh, games like Risk of Rain to Hades have been an early access to get people's feedback. In regards to whether it was beneficial or negative, I mean, it was always a bit of both, but it was mostly very different. If if I had to pick a side, I would definitely say beneficial because, I mean, we originally were like, okay, we'll get some feedback from players and then they'll help us stabilize the game. But by the end of it, we had no idea how much of the game was was influenced by the player base. Like they they did so much more than just give feedback. They they gave things like like balance ideas, like oh some of these numbers feel wrong, which is really difficult for one designer to to get working well for an entire game. They'll be like, okay, this sequence is getting a little bit too difficult. They'll say things like even like I didn't understand where I was going when I was trying to get from point A to point B. A lot of those things you take for granted, and there was just hugely beneficial for for making the game feel good play well and just to prevent people from getting stuck because we've had that problem in the past with our previous games um it's it's gotten to the point where like i don't know how we would make another game without early access because of just all of the great things that we got from it but at the same time there is stress there is a ton of stress you are now committed to the people that I've purchased your game. You have to give them... You can't go, you know, AWOL for X number of months. You have to make sure that everybody knows what's going on and that, you know, content is coming. And so when you release a game, the the most stressful period is the launch period, right? With early access, you're, like, launching every two to three months. And so the stress levels are insane. Was there any complaints that stood out that were valid that maybe led you to changing something that you had already been going in a certain direction when from the early access period anything that stood out to you as really surprising and like oh you're right we need to change this specific mechanic or aspect of the game it actually happened a lot right because when you make a game you generally take for granted how things work because you've made the game you know the inside and outs of it so you're like oh this makes sense everybody understands it and a lot of times people don't so like I think I think a good example of that would be our resolve system. So in Rogue Legacy 2, you can pick up relics in the game that make your character stronger, or or I guess play differently. And originally, the resolve system was like if you pick up a relic, you lose health, and that was it. It was it was just very very black and white. And what we saw was like we thought it was a good system, but what we saw was that people would just avoid picking up the relics because they never felt that losing health was a fair trade off. Was never worth so the we risk. Had, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so what we had to do is we had to go back and just create a brand new system, which was the Resolve meter, I guess, that mm-hmm. that now you can pick up relics without any cost, but you kind of have to make sure that you have enough Resolve, and that gave us more flexibility, because now we were like, well, now you can get upgrades that can give you more Resolve that lets you pick up more relics. And so it kind of cascaded from that original idea about 
it was really just one individual was like, I don't like this. I don't ever pick up relics. And that caused us to create like a whole new system that uh, awesome. was really, really beneficial to the game. Yeah, no, that's really cool to hear. And I love that because I'm the same way. And I mean, as a player, over the course of playing through early access, I have become someone who picks up and takes more risk because right. more of my classes and as I've leveled up, my resolve is higher and it feels like less of a risk. It feels like I'm going down to what should be my normal health and that I'm starting, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're almost, you're sort of tricking your mind in a way, in a video game way, because you know, I still am giving up health <laughs> in, right. in essence to get the relic, but it doesn't feel like it's as big of a trade-off. And, no, absolutely. And the game plays so much differently and so much more fun and cool when you do pick them up because of the combinations that you can get and the wild differences that they <laughs> offer to play style. And I, I wanted to talk about that because so the first game was so amazing, largely because of this class system, this cool inherited traits that you would get. You could pass things down. You had a different group of different classes you could play. They felt somewhat unique. But you guys just blew it out of the water here and made so many different types of classes that all play very mechanically different. And then you add in new traits and the relics on top of that and all these different ways to change gameplay. How is balancing for that? Like, I mean, I know you're talking about like early access helps with that, but how in the world do you ever keep it balanced where people can't just find a loophole or do you get to the point where you're just like, it's okay. If someone finds the perfect combination that lets them speed run this in three hours or whatever the case may be, we're just going to sit back and clap our hands and be like, that's awesome. Well, this is one of the things I said earlier. It's like, we couldn't have made this game without early access. The truth is in terms of balancing, it was just brute force, right? Even to this day, we are still making tweaks right leading up to launch. Because people will find things that don't quite feel good. Uh, the numbers might be a little too low or too high. Um, so it's just a constant going back and forth with the bouncing and getting feedback from the people who are constantly playing. So um, there's no there's no real answer to that. It's just keep doing it. In regards to if we find big exploits, I think, I mean, if, if it is to the point where it's exploitative, we will generally fix it. That doesn't mean that if they find a strong combination, we will remove it every single time there's lots of different elements that we take into account uh things like well if it's very hard to get right then we'll probably let you keep it because it feels really good to get those things if it were something that was really simple to reproduce and everyone would just start playing in the game this way we would probably (laughs) nerf it to the ground that makes sense i mean i think you're helped in that regard because your game is based off of a lot of procedural generation too so there's randomness to what you're going to encounter so you getting the correct perfect holy grail of relic combo and class and traits and all of that there's a lot of rng that goes into that i would say exactly exactly uh, in order to do that but i will tell you from a player perspective and one thing that i love so much about rogue legacy 2 is that i am encouraged to try the different classes and different combos and i was less so in rogue legacy 1 i was a very straightforward i kind of found what i liked and i just would always roll with that and so it's really cool to have all these different options 
Is that just a factor of this team of six? Do you guys all come together and creatively design different classes and come up with these ideas? Or is there one real brainchild of the group that is the person behind figuring all these things out? It's mostly a brainchild. It's mostly my brother, Teddy. He's an incredible okay. designer. <laughs> and, um, but we do, we do try to get everybody involved in the process somewhat. So, for example, I think every single one of the people that were working on the game full time got to choose like a class theme. So, for example, uh, our our art director was like, a chef would be funny. So, my brother started to design a character around the chef that would be fun (laughs) and interesting. I chose the boxer and the pirate and the astromancer, which people haven't played. Very cool are for okay. the other programmer and the technical director. So, you know, we they, we definitely get input from the whole team, but the burden of responsibility lies on my brother. <laughs> to kind of implement it, right? Exactly, yeah. Because he, he knows best what plays well and with the balance numbers. He's got them all in his head. He's got massive Excel sheets, so uh, he can track all of that. And we just oh, tell him what so we want. Cool. That's so neat. Yeah, I mean, and it is. It's really interesting, though. I mean, when you would play with a chef, you think it's going to be just the dumbest thing ever yeah and so silly but i mean that pan is a lifesaver i mean i can't tell you like that pan is amazing and i just love the mechanic that he came up with for that it's it's fascinating so speaking of the inherited traits system that's i think something that you definitely feel innovative to me from your two games in a way that maybe other games have started to take that on and not just changing of classes but giving these unique abilities that could be positive could be negative they, they have trade-offs you get to kind of choose what level of risk you want to take and mitigate that i love being able to re-roll characters that's something we go for immediately when we're unlocking our skill tree every time you reset it on us <laughs> when you're in early access listeners that's what happens the game when they when they put out a big update to the game they basically like give you all of your points back and you have to go repurchase things under the new skill tree so we always go unlock re-roll because we want as many options as possible one of the things that i remember coming out of the first row legacy is there was a little bit of online criticism about some of the traits and how Mm -hmm. some folks could potentially see them as you now i don't think you were making fun of disabilities but some of the traits are disability related and they're fun versions of those things did you guys take that into consideration when you were making the traits for rogue legacy 2 it's a constant concern we were definitely never our intent was definitely never to make fun of people. I mean, the whole the whole premise of the game, the tagline for the original was anyone can be a hero, right? So we took it in a, as a way as, as sort of empowering people who have disabilities and to show that they, they can still succeed. But a lot of people don't want to interpret it that way. I understand why they don't interpret it that way. They don't. It's, it's up to them how they how they see it. But that just know that that was never our original intent. For Rogue Legacy 2, it has been nine years and we've, we've sort of absorbed a lot of that criticism to the point where we're like we, you can't make everybody happy but we did take some of their concerns to heart so for example one of the major ones is that a lot of people said these traits were only disabilities right that, that was never the goal of Rogue Legacy. it was just supposed to be mm-hmm. character traits it wasn't supposed to be like genetic effects on individuals but we could understand why people saw it that way because a lot of them were sort of physical changes to the characters so with Rogue Legacy 2, we expanded it to include more non-physical elements. So, for example, yep. one of the one of the traits is Diva, right? Where your person just gets, like, people cheer for them whenever they kill the enemies and all that. Or they boo when they die. 
it's not really a genetic trait. So it's a personality it, it's, trait. It's exactly yeah. it's a personality trait. So we wanted to to broaden the characteristics and what what people consider traits, so that they don't they come to that conclusion. Uh, whether it works or not is, is anyone's guess, but so far it seems pretty good. I hope I hope people when they come into this game they come in with an open mind. Yeah, I do too, and I definitely have never. I mean, I don't suffer from any of the disabilities that would be representative, so I'm not mm-hmm. coming to it from that angle. But I've definitely always seen it more in the light of what you're saying your kind of tagline is is that anybody can be a hero so maybe you suffer from colorblindness guess what you can still go through this castle and defeat all these bosses and win the day even if you're colorblind your character is colorblind and And the reason why we well the reason why we didn't like decide to scrap it entirely was one it it, aside from it being an important element of the rogue legacy game itself is that throughout the years we've found that the strongest proponents of our trait system are the people who do have those disabilities we've had we've, ton, oh, we've, we've, awesome. we've received a ton of emails of people who are like i'm so happy that you've included this disability because it spreads awareness and it's you know it represents us where we don't get representation before so we were like okay so this is i think overall a good thing so we should definitely strive to keep it that's great well I, i'm also one of the people who i hate fart jokes so i just gotta tell you this story because <laughs> every kid's movie has a fart joke and it always drives me nuts. I'm a film critic as well. And so I'm always reviewing movies and I'm like, this movie was great, except the fart jokes. One thing is this trait that you have, right? This, (laughs) and it was in the first game. Where is this going? It's it's here. Well, we were playing just this last weekend and my 17 year old son, the trait comes up. I forget. What is it called again? Uh, Flatulation. IBS. IBS. But it was super IBS is what the one we got. Super IBS. That's right. And so he was like, well, I want to take this one, you know, and we pick each other's characters. That's how we play. So oh, I cool. pick who he has to play with. He picks who I have to play with. And it's kind of fun that way. Right. So he wanted me to have to play with that because he knows I don't like it. Kenny, I got to tell you, I was so annoyed at first. I had one of the best runs I've ever had because that <laughs> power is like an dot it's like a damage over time spell yeah of like a puff and i would just double jump over enemies fart on them you know leave my stinky cloud to like kill them over time and just kind of right. walk away and Direct watch fools. and i was laughing out loud and so i just wanted to tell you from someone who hates those things you yeah. got me to be laughing about that thing in the way that it's <laughs> implemented in the game yeah so there's a lot of traits like that in the game there's so many i mean i'm still unlocking things I've been playing on and off for two years, I don't know, 50 hours more or right. more, and I still have things that aren't unlocked. Are there more coming? Are there things that you've held back from updates so far? You don't have to tell us what they are, but are there right, classes right. or traits that are just going to be in the final version when it comes out? For the final version, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like, when the last major update we released was, I think, in September, and then we did release like like a Christmas update and a Halloween update, but they were kind of smaller ones. In terms of like biomes and bosses and stuff, it's been nearly half a year. So in that time, it's definitely been more than just the ending. There's a ton of new content. If you watch the trailer, there's some hints to new classes. There's new traits and, and relics for sure. As to what is included, I've honestly lost count. So I, I don't know what's included. I know it's a lot. And I think I think... There is a, a big reason to go back for people who have played up to the latest contents updates. Good. For sure. So speaking of content increasing, that's not a word. Increasing. <laughs> that's not a word either. Increasing. I don't. That didn't work. Speaking of increasing content, 
and size yeah. and scope. This feels so much bigger. I mean, I think people who played Rogue Legacy 1 and have not been part of Early Access, maybe they're just waiting on the console version, and right. they're going to fire this up, and they're going to have their minds absolutely blown if they don't know what they're getting into. Because this feels to me much more like a Metroidvania, where right. traversal is a big part of it. Traversal was not a thing, really, in yeah, not Rogue so Legacy much 1. Not not in the way that it is here. Here, there are definite reasons once you've unlocked something, you may be able to access things in earlier biomes or easier biomes. You right. may have you know, have a chest up in an area where you could never have gotten to it before, but now all of a sudden you have a double jump or you have this unique way to get up there. How did you guys come to the decision of going more Metroidvania with the style of the game and the different traversal options in general? We knew from the get-go that we wanted to make it more Metroidvania, just because Metroidvania is fun, right? It's cool to be able to, oh, yes. to unlock new abilities. And the thing is, with roguelikes in general, because they constantly, like, there's new, it's the same randomly generated world over and over and over. If you get new abilities, all of a sudden those worlds that might seem a little stale, you get to see a new light, right? There's now, you now have new abilities that lets you traverse them in different ways. And so we just played with that and we knew that we wanted to add that from the beginning. I can't speak for how much of it was planned. I don't I don't think every single thing was planned because we generally don't do that with our games. I think the the original idea was like, okay, yeah, let's let's lock off double jump. Let's let's lock off air dashing. And then from there we were like, well, we've got like four more biomes to make. What else can we lock off? And then we started introducing new abilities that way. So we did springboard off an original idea, but the rest of it kind of came more intuitively, I think. And what about the idea of kind of going out into the world? So the first game is kind of entirely within a castle. It's You're yeah. going through this one specific area. And here, that quickly expands into the different biomes, which I love, by the way. I love anytime you get to go through a game where you're like, oh, here's the snow level, and you know, here's <laughs> the poison level, or the the lava level or whatever, those are always interesting because it changes it up visually and gives you just different types of enemies I think you can add in there. Were those the main reasons for you all? I think it was we just wanted to go bigger because when we when we started Instead Rogue Legacy... bigger castle. Exactly, yeah. With, with, with the original Rogue Legacy, a lot of what we did was constrained by our own abilities. Right? We had a limited budget, we had a limited skill set, but with Rogue Legacy 2, when we got who were experts in their field all of a sudden those restrictions were gone and so we were like well why don't we make it bigger why don't we introduce new unique biomes that that are that really change it up and why, why would we constrain ourselves to this smaller uh, environment when we can you know basically the world's the sky's the limit for us uh, when we started Rogue Legacy 2. What about the art style change so the Ooh. first game is <laughs> oh no i hope that's not a sore point but it's like no, a, no, no. it's good it was i big. mean i love it, it. really big for us but you definitely are going in more of I, I don't know what you would call it like a two and a half d is maybe what the best way to put it is yeah it's so gorgeous so gorgeous well um, i'm sure our artists will, will really really appreciate that for us it was a very scary transition because if you've seen our games in the past they've been exclusively pixel art and so for us taking that leap it, it was a necessary leap we had to take just because of the technical restrictions of art, but it was like it was really scary whether we could pull it off because um with with pixel art pixel art's pixel art you can go like eight bit you can go sixteen bit but you can't 
really there are the fidelity is limited but when you say okay take that away now come up with a new one you can do anything you can it can be like black and white it can be um cell shaded it could be realistic there's, there's so many different options and so for us we, we were very fortunate that the the artist that we hired to do this uh, matt hamill he he's just fantastic he was incredible and what's most important that his sensibilities were very close to ours so the transition to Rogue Legacy 2 was surprisingly painless. So when he first started giving us concept art, well, like, we loved them all because everything he did really retained the Rogue Legacy look and feel, which we weren't sure we could do considering we were no longer pixel art. So he, he did a fantastic job, uh, made our lives a lot easier. And I think you can see you know, the results definitely speak for themselves. I love it. For sure. I mean, like, you, you take a look at a screenshot of Rogue Legacy 2, and you immediately know it's Rogue Legacy. Yes. Like, there's, yeah, there's no doubts doubt. in your mind, so it's really awesome what he did. What was the hardest thing to program, that you would say? <laughs> to program? Oh, there's so many. I'd say, specifically, the hardest thing were was the biome generation. Okay. So, it's just because, with Rogue Legacy 1, and... This was a mistake on my end. I figured, like, Rogue Legacy 1's biome generation was fairly simple, fairly straightforward, so I figured it would be the same thing for Rogue Legacy 2. But for what we wanted to do, for the scope that we wanted to bring the game up to, the complexity just it went up so much faster than I was anticipating. I wasn't the one who actually coded it, but I know it was a problem. For sure, it was a, it was a real struggle to get things working, because every time you add, like, a new, new criteria that you want to add, there's so many edge cases you have to to take into account right so for example with this one we wanted to make sure say like some rooms we want to spawn predominantly on the right side of a biome even something as simple as that or seemingly simple as that there's just a lot of questions you have to answer it's like well what happens if there's no space on the right side right? what happens if, if a different biome collides with that side of the room and all of a sudden you know there's there's a conflict what it, it it's 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 endless and what's really, really challenging is testing for those scenarios. Because, I mean, randomly generated biomes are randomly generated, uh, there's so many scenarios where you could run into a problem only 10% of the time. And so it becomes really difficult to debug those issues. You know, just, just finding them is a challenge in itself. Yeah, that's interesting. It's good to know. My daughter's at uh, college right now for okay. coding. And so she's always interested in that specific part of the process. What is the new addition that you'd say you personally or the team, either one or both, are most proud of? What are you excited for people to notice? I'd say it has to be the classes, just because like, even though we knew we were going to, to do this, I am quite surprised at how diverse the classes have become and how well-balanced they are and how interesting all of them are. Because, you know, when you think about it, it's easy to make classes. You can make like a fast-moving guy, slow-moving guy, a, a, he wields a big weapon or he wields a small weapon, but we didn't take that approach with Rogue Legacy 2. All of the classes have very, very different abilities. So rather than slow and fast, big and small, it's like, well, no, this one can change its direction, this one can aim, this one can reflect projectiles back at you. Uh, you know, it, it's just a slew of different things that, that I was not expecting and I'm particularly surprised that we managed to pull off because it means it means every single one we had to manually code it was a lot of work and for a team as small as ours i often go back and be like i don't even know how we did this i don't know how we had the manpower to make so many different uh, elements work in tandem 
Is there anything interesting you can tell us that might have gotten left on the cutting room floor that you wanted to put in the game, but you were like, I can't quite get to that for Rogue Legacy 2. Maybe we do that in the future or something. There is one thing, but I don't think I can say it because we are because <laughs> a lot of like we have a hard time <laughs> dropping things for for real, right? Like it, it, to us we don't like wasting hard work. Uh-huh. And so there's always a chance they will come up. So yeah, I'll I consider don't... that a tease then. So that actually <laughs> okay, leads tease. into that the next part of that question was going to be do you think you will continue to hone and tighten things even now that this final I say final version of the game now that it's launching for out of early access you have like a development pipeline of things that are still going to be releasing at a regular schedule probably not a regular schedule Uh, we definitely do have some some things planned that we want to get into the game that for whatever reason we couldn't get in time for the launch in terms of like balancing and stuff that that's an ongoing process right we'll we'll always be be tweaking that because we're definitely not satisfied with it just yet and when we do launch it hopefully a lot of people will play it and we'll be able to get a lot of good feedback about it content wise i will say we have one planned that's as like far as DLC, I'm willing to do you go. any dlc planned i mean things change when games launch right this is okay. this is all pre pre hypothetical yeah yeah exactly but um we're not particularly fans of paid dlc so wh- whatever we have planned right now would be free uh, but that's no promise <laughs> no promises people it right. might not come to fruition yeah i mean i would assume some of that is also and can be driven by what it takes and what it costs like if you're exactly to put in an an immense amount of new development time maybe you do need to recoup some costs from that i don't know how much of this you can answer but it's interesting to me when i learned that you're going to be launching on microsoft on xbox and then Mm -hmm. also on pc on april 28th out of early access but there's no release on switch or playstation which you were on both of those right off the bat as well back in rogue legacy days and i actually i think i played fmf on playstation as well so i'm just wondering is there an exclusivity deal in play here is there a timed exclusive kind of thing going on are there plans Um, to bring it to the other consoles what's going on with that well it's funny how time time changes things we actually did not launch rogue legacy on those platforms in all at the same time there's no way we could at the time so actually rogue legacy came out on pc and it only came out on I think PlayStation a year later. Then a year after that came out on Xbox. And then like, I think four years, no, three years after that, it came out for Switch. So Switch is we're nice. very sporadic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so th- the truth of the matter is we don't, we just don't have the manpower to release on all of these platforms at once. This is not a confirmation that it will come out for those other platforms. This is just, we're just trying to be honest here. If, if we did make it for Switch, this game probably would take another five months of development. We have to handle all of this internally, and so right now we're just focused on the launch. Xbox is is a fantastic platform. It, it was easiest to get running, That's and what so I was ask, yeah. we're like, yeah, let's. It, it, it's a natural fit for us. So, so right now the plans are currently only PC and Xbox. Time permitted, we'll we'll see what happens for the future. Okay, fair. I just I'm, I know there are going to be fans out there that are going to want it. Obviously, you're going to get those comments right off the bat. People are going to be like, "Oh, bring no, it to for my sure. Console. Oh, we're getting them right now, but yeah. um, we can't. We just can't make any promises. Like, we don't. We don't want to. Yeah. We've done that in the past, where you know, we will. We even did it with the launch of Rogue Legacy Two and Early Access. We're like, okay, it's coming out this date, and then three days later, we're like, okay, sorry, we got to delay it, guys. And so we just, we just don't want to make promises ahead of time because it always bites us in the butt. Under promise, over deliver. That's exactly, the yeah. the best way to go. 
Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one kind of totally not related to Rogue Legacy personal question. What are some of your favorite games? Not necessarily things that have inspired you as a developer, but just if you're sitting down to play to have fun, what are some of the mm. ones that have stood out to you over the years? Do you mean like like my favorite game of all time, like I grew up on, or more? Yeah, just sure, like... could be. Like, what do you like to play? Well, I, okay, I'll, I'll do more recently, but I think past games are a little bit too old for because I'm a little bit older. I'm more of like the Nintendo Super Nintendo era. Yeah. But I'd say like I think a great one would be Outer Wilds. Okay. So that game, it's rare because a lot of the games that are say on my top five are games from like the Super Nintendo era, and it's mm-hmm. rare for a more recent game because it's there's this nostalgia. I was a kid; it was very impactful. And it's rare for a game to, a recent game, more contemporary game, to sort of break that list. And I think I think Outer Wilds is one of the few that really made an impact on me. I really really love that game, and I know they released the Echoes of the Eye DLC, and I ju- I just played it instantly. And so so that one to me strikes me as because I, I was also raised on more of the adventure type adventure game era. Yeah. Right, like the King's Quests and the Police Quests and the Indiana Jones games and Monkey Island and Outer Wilds is kind of like that. I mean, it's not it it has those adventure puzzles because that genre has kind of gone stagnant. Outer Wilds is is the way to breathe life back into it, I think. And aside from the fact that it did some things technically that I still it still has my head reeling. I'm like, how did they do that? I have no idea, and they do it in such a elegant manner that. That it's it is one of my favorites that I've ever played. That's great. That's a perfect thing to to talk about. Yeah, I love the physics <laughs> aspect of it. It's challenging for me the physics aspect yeah. of controlling my spacecraft, but the way <laughs> the narrative unfolds is special and unique for in sure. An interesting way. It's funny you mentioned Monkey Island because my kids and I were just playing this weekend uh, the Secret of Monkey Island, a new special edition, and going back. Oh, through that's that. the third one, right? Or is that this is the well? It's the first game, but they did a special. Oh, they like, did a re-release remake. of oh, it. I didn't even know that. And it's got that. It's got upgraded graphics and voice acting in this version, and then it has the cool feature where you just hit the select button or whatever button, and it immediately flips back and shows you. You go into the old school original right. graphics mode right. without voice acting, and it's seamless. And it's. We were doing it like almost every frame <laughs> transition uh, on the screen, every different Because it's location. just cool, right? Oh, that's yeah. so, like, oh my gosh, look how perfectly they recreated this exact scene down to the number of birds. They're just flying in this one versus pixels in this one. And yeah, I love those games as well. I cool. did the same thing with Grim Fandango and Full Throttle because art's that for all of those games. But I'm sure they hate me because eventually I just settled on the old school one <laughs> and just like stop playing the new one because I, it was just better memories when I, like it was childhood memories so i would end up on that one and all of their work is kind of wasted about halfway through the games <laughs> yeah nostalgia is a powerful thing for sure yeah well thank you for being with us listeners if you like what you've heard here please subscribe share the show with your friends follow us on twitter and other social media at the games we love there's links to all of our social channels on the show notes of each and every episode And definitely be sure to pick up Rogue Legacy 2 on April 28th on Steam or Xbox consoles. You won't be disappointed. Kenny, thank you so much for coming on, for telling us about the game, the studio's history. Uh, It's been awesome. I'm excited to watch the launch and see this and hopefully just take off and find a bigger audience for you. Thanks, everybody, for listening because this podcast is for you. We'll be back soon. Until then, do what we do. Get out there and fall in love with it.